Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to MJack Conversations. I'm your host, Jeremy Zacharias, and today we're talking about stolen video games, a tale of two kings, and the value of re repentance in restoring relationships. We hope this is just the start of a conversation for you in your gatherings. With me today is Mike McLeod. Welcome to the pod. Hello, hello. Mike, uh, this is your first time on the pod. Uh, we've had the chance to get to know each other in a few different ways. In fact, you and your wife, Chelsea, uh, hosted the first MJAC community group that my wife and I attended. Uh, but those who haven't had the privilege of knowing you, aside from your role as a dairy farmer, TV commercial movie star, <laughs> uh, what are three things that we need to know to know the real Mike McLeod? Oh, I am the luckiest man alive. I have a beautiful wife and three mostly reasonably well-behaved children. <laughs> mostly. So I've got that going There's for me. There's a qualifier me. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to have dreadlocks. That was a thing. That okay. Was, that was long hair and lots of music being played. I yeah. played yep. bass very seriously for a while. And hmm. so that was... That was yeah. So you're saying it was a smooth transition into TV commercial movie star? Oh, it was it was a natural outflow yes. of everything <laughs> of who I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was six hours of me standing around with a tripod and a camera and a phone in my ear and a phone in front of me and move here, shot this, adjust this lighting there, and oh yeah, TV TV commercials in COVID was. <laughs> it was interesting, yeah. <laughs> uh, they've used a minute and a half of content out of the whole day's work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And th number three, um, hmm. I'm a sucker for good board games. Good, oh, okay. good strategy, competitive board games. Oh, yeah. okay. Do you have a favorite currently? Uh, not specifically no we've been uh, we've been geeking out on the new nintendo switch at home mostly that's been the last uh ah. the last amusement in our house yeah. oh, okay nice yeah. nice hmm um mike as we begin what's a high and a low for you this week something that went well or if you want to say in we just had thanksgiving something you're thankful for uh something that went well or a moment of enjoyment and something that didn't quite go as well as you'd hoped um Hockey. Hockey's back on. I uh, Levi's been pumped for a while. Uh, mm. My nephews, Elliot and Evander, are both playing as well. And uh, and I signed up again to be a coach. Yeah. Definite uh, heavy on the air quotes there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a willing participant to pick up small children off the ice. Um, so that's been... It was fun to get out and do something that's remotely normal again, even yeah. though it's mask in... Full dress outside, uh, try and do one direction traffic flow while you're in the building. Yeah. It's different, but it's it's something. And it was it was nice to have something back hmm. and see people I haven't seen for a while and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And yeah. then the most recent vivid thing that has not gone well is we, just when we thought we were getting to the point in our lives where we could sleep through the night consistently. <laughs> Kinley's cutting more teeth and Ooh. it's been yeah. It's been a couple of a couple more days of two or three hours at a shot and then up for oh, a little bit and yeah. It's she goes back to sleep pretty easily, but it's 
Yeah. There was a couple of weeks there where it was like, oh, wow, this is what six hours of uninterrupted sleep feels like again. Yeah. Uh, so it'll come back. But, yep. I remember those days thinking, man, it's a good thing, kid. You're cute. Cause. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are they 18 yet? No, no they are not. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, one, one high that I've had this last week is just getting to spend some extra time with the kids. And I know Thanksgiving mm. weekend and... And uh, I'm a board game geek myself, so uh, some of my children are quickly picking up on that. And nice, Micah and special, uh, special. That's not even in particular. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so even to to play some uh, Carcassonne or Settlers yep. or some Uno, yep. uh, that's his jam, and I'm happy to oblige him. Yeah. Uh, He's probably got the stamina to actually last through a game like oh Le- levi yes. thinks it's amazing but yeah. it's like 15 minutes he's done yeah that's it's bella like, we're only halfway through <laughs> yeah can we be done now yeah no no and in fact you're about to win at settlers yeah. why why is this happening yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably a low would be um i underestimated uh as much as i enjoyed having that extra day this weekend uh, I'm now yesterday and today realizing, oh, I have one less day to do all the things I <laughs> feel I need to do. Yep. Uh, in some cases, I actually do need to do some of them. Uh, and so just coping with that and remembering my mental health practices before it gets away on me mm-hmm. is a continual challenge. Um, but let's talk about Sunday, Mike. Uh, this past Sunday, Brian preached on what lies beneath the surface of repentance and restored relationships. That's not always a comfortable topic to discuss, but I think it's it's one of those big ones that we need to, and so I'm honored to have you with me today as we dive into that, um, especially as we want to move forward into healthy relationships with God and each other. At the beginning of the sermon, Brian used an illustration of a forced apology, and it'd be easy to talk about the ways we force our kids to have that, but the question I want to ask you is, do you remember... Uh, your parents forcing you into one of these these forced apologies, and how did that go for you? There, when yeah, when I read this question, uh, there was one that came screaming back into my mm. memory, um, mostly for the intensity of it. Um, okay. So there's, I was maybe ten years old, yeah. and had been over at a friend's house uh, playing for a while. I think mom may have been there, may not have been there clearly wasn't super involved um probably visiting with uh, with the other parents there as well so but lo- and great friends with these people and still run into them from time to time and catch up with stuff but uh i bit this kid hmm. for some reason we were disagreeing about something there may have been a board game involved at some point as well too i remember they had one strategic board game that i just thought was the coolest thing ever as a kid yeah and uh but yeah we were we were disagreeing or fighting or wrestling or whatever and i bit this kid and it didn't come out until later and Mm. uh and especially when dad found out he was like you are biking back over there it was about a mile and a half they lived on an acreage out of town (laughs) And you were gonna go apologize to him and his parents and everything, and uh, and I remember it was like a long bike ride of shame and mm. not a pleasant, very very impactful, and yeah. still sticks out to my memory these to these days. But not but, something you enjoyed at the moment. Eh, yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah. So and then. Uh, 
yeah, and then there was follow-up conversations and stuff after really? the fact. And yeah, that was, it was, yeah. it wasn't, I was definitely sorry that it had, I, I was sorry that I got in trouble. Yes. Whether I was sorry yeah. that I yeah. did You're what sorry I did you got or not. caught, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. What was, what was some of the followed in the relationship, either with you and your parents or with you and then? And this family, do you remember any of that details? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we were in the same classes and neighborhood and community for years afterwards, yeah. and uh, and it worked out. Um, yeah, I just ran into him again um, outside of Boston Pizza. I was picking up takeout, and he was going hmm. to meet somebody, and yeah, so it's not yeah. irreparable, but it was, yep. uh, it was, yeah, kind of a dumb kid <laughs> thing, and yeah, and kids will be kids, and yeah, adults have to be the adults and yeah. figure it out. Exactly. Well, for me, I remember uh, my dad caught me as well, but we were kids walking through Zellers back in, in that day. There's a name from the past. And there was this uh, handheld video game thing there. Um, and I wanted it. And I knew if I asked my parents, they would not say yes. <laughs> so I took it and shoved it in my pocket. And we lived half an hour away from town. Oh, man. And, and we still had errands to do in town before we could even get there. So for almost two hours, I'm sitting in the backseat of our 86 Dodge Caravan. We're all crammed together like sardines in a can. Sweating bullets. Oh, yeah. And the thing would make noise. And I didn't know how to, <laughs> I didn't know how to stop. And so this is beeping. I'm like, everyone's, what's that sound? I'm like, I think I heard an ambulance go by. I'm trying to play it cool and, and totally not. Uh, somehow I, I make it home with this thing into my room and I'm trying to figure out how to make this thing shut up and be quiet or play the game. One of those yep. two things. And I couldn't figure either. I should have thought to take the instruction booklet. I don't know. And there was no Google back then. So in desperation, <laughs> I just opened my window and threw it out. And I, was, I was done. That I thought that would it. hide the crime, yep. right? Uh, unfortunately, I threw it. Uh, directly underneath our window was my mom's flower bed and the driveway where my dad parked said van every morning <laughs> so he found it that next morning on his way to work and we had a conversation um, and he made me go back and apologize it was not enough to return or have someone else return said yep. game for me I had to march up to customer service to this cashier who had no clue what I was yep. doing what had happened yeah. And hand him the game, and I had to give the whole apology, not to say I'm sorry, but why I'm sorry, yep. what I'm sorry for, and the full consequences of my actions. Uh, and I do remember having to part with some of my money in addition to returning the wow. game, too. Charged uh, interesting. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and I remember walking out so embarrassed uh, and humbled. Um, with myself, not just for being caught, but just for the stupidity of the situation too that I, I displayed. Um, I don't think I've, I've done anything yep. since. But, <laughs> but it, it's interesting how, how Brian talked about this forced apology too. Uh, oh, I resonated with that, that I still don't like admitting I'm wrong yep. uh, in any kind. Um, of course, though, we are, we are not those young children anymore. We have grown into fully-fledged, mature adults who don't struggle with any of those things. You don't have to say sorry for anything, right? Um, insert sarcastic eye roll here. Uh, but as 
as you've grown and matured, Mike, what are some of the things you've, you've learned about repentance along the way of life? Um, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's been Hmm. difficult. It's never easy. No, but, uh, but it's been worth it. Yeah. Um, Hmm. it's always been any time where I've had to fess up and admit something, there's always been an upside to it Hmm. and it hurts and it sucks and it, it's awkward when it goes through it, but it's usually the payoffs pretty much always been worth it. That hmm. there's either some personal growth or a or a restored relationship or or some other aspect that way where it's it's definitely been worth the worth the pain for the gain hmm. um, at the end of at the end of that process. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. you said a few times it's worth it. There's there is a payoff and even though it's awkward and uncomfortable often we get so stuck in the now moment Uh, this is uncomfortable i don't want to do this now i'm not going to think about what it might be worth i'm not going to think about what the benefits might be right now it's awkward and comfortable so i'm going to stay here Mm -hmm. that's that's really intriguing to uh to hear you you share that because i i think you're right i think there's there are a lot of things that if we want to grow and move forward we need to move forward through some of that discomfort and awkwardness onto the other side oh yeah there's a cost yeah and it's the payoffs worth it but it's you can't get away from it that there's a cost yeah yeah hmm hmm i'm, I'm curious i will pick up more on that in in a moment um now i i've been accused in this space before mike i don't know if you know of of being a bit of a bible nerd um but uh we're gonna have a little bit of a brief statement called bible nerd with jeremy moment Nice. Um, as Brian was talking about, that definitely sounds like it needs a theme song edited in there. Just to yeah, throw yeah. It out there you think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can work on that in post. <laughs> exactly. But when when Brian was talking about the story of Saul and David, and I got to admit, I've got a rich relationship with these guys. They're my jam. Um, in my younger years, uh, I was not the most um, eager to be in church. We'll just say it that way. <laughs> And so what I would do is, while the preacher is preaching, busy, yammering on his thing, I would take my Bible and read through the action and adventure stories, and usually the stories of Saul and David. And oh, I love those stories. Um, and I always thought, though, growing up, one was bad, the other one was good. right? But when I read the stories for myself, I realized they're a lot more complex, and Brian teased some of this complexity yeah. out. Uh, and if I'm, if I'm being honest... I really do, like Brian, I empathize with this Saul guy. He didn't ask to be king. He, he got a job he didn't sign up for. And his mentor, the Samuel guy, um, seems to be a pretty cool guy on one level, but vacillated between grumpiness and jealousy on the other side too. Uh, meanwhile, David has parades and folk songs sung in his honor. And he seems to emerge as this larger-than-life folk hero who succeeds at everything. Yet as I dig into their stories, there are some, some even larger differences yet. And especially this David and Bathsheba story. If you want to indulge me for one moment. Um, as I dug into this story, there's a couple layers that kind of perk out that I think David's sin here, if I can mm-hmm. use that word, is probably one of the most evil acts in all of history, in, in all, all of scripture at least. On the one level, he's supposed to be out fighting this war. 
and he's not. He's not doing his duty. On another level, he has previously made this, this boast that when his men are in war, he's always pure, They're, his men are always pure, they, they don't fraternize with women, they always have the best at, at heart. And yet here he is dilly-dallying with one of his soldier's wives. While his, that said soldier shows some extreme purity and says, you know, I'm not even going to go home. I'm not going to enjoy the comforts of my own bed when the army is in the middle of a war. Mm-hmm. I am faithful and pure. Well, David is not. Uh, not only that, but the man uh, that he has stolen his wife Uriah is one of his most loyal soldiers. And I loved reading the stories of David and his 30 mighty men. Mm-hmm. In 2 Samuel 23, there's all these good war stories. And if you want some, some bloodlust and battle stories that will make Game of Thrones blush, uh, 2 Samuel 23 has some of these. There's this guy who goes into a pit chasing a lion and kills it. Uh, same guy goes up against an Egyptian giant armed only with a club, and he wrestles the spear out of the Egyptian giant's hands and kills the guy with his own spear. Like, these, these are not small acts of war. These are, these are a man's man. Like, you, you look at them and you instantly bow and salute. I mean, I don't know what I would do if I ran into one of these guys outside of Boston Pizza other than shaking my boots. But one of these guys is Uriah. Uriah the Hittite. The very man whose wife David steals. Uriah is one of David's most loyal soldiers, one of his most trusted soldiers, one of his best soldiers. And that's the wife of Uriah that David steals. Um, Some even point out Bathsheba. We don't know a lot about her other than she's Uriah's wife. But her dad is a man named Eliam. And one of the other mighty men of David is an Eliam character. And some wonder if they are the same Mm. Eliam which would make Bathsheba not just the wife of one of his most loyal soldiers, the daughter of another of his most loyal soldier, and the granddaughter of David's most loyal royal advisor. Hmm. Certainly adds some layers to this complexity. And when you think about the ancient world where if you are the king, the closest people to you are your most loyal people. And when you think the sight lines that a king would have from his royal palace would be those who are his most loyal uh, people, his, his most trusted bodyguards. Mm-hmm. And it's in that environment that David looks and says, I want, and he takes, and he takes, and he takes, to the point that he murders one of his most loyal, one of his most loyal right-hand men. I just think there's his level of What's the right word? Dastardliness, despicableness. Yeah, to, to double down. Yeah, this it. utter treachery. Yeah. Uh, I, I think just highlights in ways that we don't always realize reading through the story for the first time that this is a utter failure of every degree on David's part. Mm-hmm. And you, you juxtapose that against Saul who said, well, I, I sinned. And, and, and Saul covers it up, yes. But the actual act doesn't look as, as big. Mm-hmm. And I think that it highlights even more so when, when Brian was saying, the, the degree of the issue aside, the degree of the repentance 
is needed mm-hmm. too. I just it just makes me think, uh, Mike. Returning to to our conversation here on repentance, how do you respond when people say, "Well, that's that's not that big of a deal. I'll worry about it later." The the crime wasn't so big, or on the other hand, that crime was so enormous, so huge. I don't know if there is repentance and forgiveness that I could offer that was big enough for that. How do you respond when people are in these two extremes? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> um, with the with the minor extreme where it's not a big deal and and we'll brush it over. It, you can usually, if there's enough level of trust between somebody that is saying that and you who's trying to call them out on it, you can probably have a reasonable chance of explaining your experiences with the cost versus the benefit and the, and the chance for growth from a, from a true repentance. And then uh, when it's off the charts... Hmm. Um, a good friend of mine um, is actually in jail right now hmm. for the types of things that makes most civilized people just coil up and get revulsed by. And uh, and I had a chat with him uh, about a week or two, about a week before his trial, and he pleaded guilty and and uh, avoided the trial and, and tried to minimize the pain for everybody else involved in the situation. And uh, it was just a phone conversation. It was, I haven't seen him face to face for probably a year, um, but, uh, but chatting with him on the phone that day, it was, it was an hour long conversation and I maybe spoke for like nine or 10 minutes. Um, he was very, very open and very honest and raw about what had gone down and, and his, yeah, he, uh, he took the blame, um, very much on his shoulders where, where he felt he was in the wrong and he was very much desiring to continue to have conversations with people if they felt that, uh, he had wronged them, and uh, he maybe didn't see it the same way, but he still was very uh, aware and repentant of the fact that even though we might not see it the same way, I might be in the wrong, and I need to genuinely mm. engage with that process and have those conversations. It's I'm still uh-huh. not sure how it's all going to shake out, and if his family's ever going to be the same again, and yeah. oh, there'll be there'll be threads of this getting untangled for years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but there's, it seems like there's a genuine desire for repentance and for something good to come out of the situation. So hmm. we'll see. Wow. Yeah. It's, it strikes me that one of the other things Brian had mentioned was the degree of, of repentance needs to fit the, the degree of the, mm-hmm. the offense. Absolutely. Right. And it's, when when we brush it off, either that it's too too small to worry about, or too big to be able to do anything about, it seems like either of those responses don't actually fit the degree of of the offense. Hmm. And in in both situations, there needs to be an alignment of 
of not only our awareness of it, but our, our repentance, our remorse, our, our confession over, over what happened, to be able to say, this isn't about me anymore. One of the things that, that I, I was struck with was, at one point there was a line Brian gave in the sermon, was David, David wanted to do what was right. He loved what was right. And my first thought was, but did he? Because in this, act, in this story, he did nothing that was right. Hmm. And although David's actions weren't right, what Brian meant was David didn't want to be right, as in to be, to be justified, to be, to be vindicated, to be mm-hmm. exonerated. David wanted to be right, to be rightful living, to be brought back into right standing with God and, and with those around him. That's what David meant when, when he wanted to be right. And, and it really challenged me to think about, in my situations, am I more concerned with being right as in having other people side with me? Mm. Or do I want to be right as in humble myself and say, oh, I have done wrong. I need to get back on the right track of living. I need to get back on the right side of things. I need to get back on that's what when we talk about righteousness or right way of of living, I need to recommit myself to that. Mm-hmm. And and God and those around me, if you can help me in that, I invite you to speak. I, I humble myself and open my life for you to make space to for you to speak into that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a completely different thing than wanting to have people vindicate me and, and say kind things about me yeah. do you want to be correct or do you want to be complete yeah yeah do yeah you want to be this broken mess that has emerged victorious and vanquished all your objectors or somebody who's yeah you're a broken mess but you're getting put back together again yeah yeah exactly well when when we skip uh sunday's message brian skipped to psalm 51 which um many people see as being written by David, right in the aftermath of what has gone on, after he is confronted with his sin. And he says things like, uh, don't keep looking at my sins, remove the stain of my guilt, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And I can't help but think, David is realizing the enormity of his action. And he is now offering an apology that is on par with that enormity. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate what he has done. I can't ignore the fact that this guy is is getting it in this moment. And I wonder if he's connecting some dots to Saul. Because when Saul made his mistake, Saul tried to, to brush it off as, a, as if it was no big deal. And, and God confronted him and said, no, this was a big deal. Rebellion is just as bad as, as witchcraft. Stubbornness is just as bad as idolatry. And I wish you wouldn't have just offered that sacrifice 
so blithely, so carelessly, you tried to cover it up. I don't want your sacrifice. I want your heart. I want mm. your repentance. And Saul never got there. And Saul had many years and many tries, many second chances to get there, and he never did. And as a consequence, not only did Saul have his kingdom taken from him, but God took his Holy Spirit from on Saul. And I think David is connecting these dots in the moment and saying, you don't want a hasty sacrifice. You want my broken and, and repentant spirit. And the worst thing that I could think isn't you take the kingdom from me, but it's you take your, your spirit from me. Mm-hmm. I crave this right way of living so much that I'm not so concerned about the kingdom right now. I'm concerned about our relationship. And that just, that hits me between the eyes when I think about the ways that I have done other people wrong and and my attitudes towards them and the repentance that is needed from me to enter into a, a restored relationship with God and with them. It, it just challenges me all over again. Um, Mike, I'm, I'm curious, what does... Mm-hmm repentance look like in your life how do you know when it's time to do some repentance work um it'll probably look a little bit different for anybody i can't pretend to sit here and offer advice for what is going to be on everybody's situation but Mm -hmm. i definitely remember one time in my own life um where it, it was very immediate and very dramatic. Um, mm. It was, I was a kid about 14 or 15 years old. I was at the CBC Regina campus. Mm. I can't remember if it was for a quiz meet or just for a youth conference or whatever, but I still remember the kid that it was involved with, and we had been yipping at each other and disagreeing in general. And I really got under his skin. And I think, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, there was some kind of low comments about his parents' marriage or something like that. I was I was <laughs> in the wrong. Hmm. I felt like a tool afterwards. Oh. And and he was really, really hurt by it. And, hmm. uh, and we were sitting in the auditorium um, getting ready for like a, a big event to start. Yeah. It might have been a youth conference thing. And uh, he comes storming in, and uh, and I see him coming in, and I stand up, and he punches me, like, right in the face. Like, yeah. it's just just ridiculous. Like, it should be in the back of a schoolyard. And uh, and I knew I had it coming, and I, I straight up stood there and turned my face and said, you better do it again then. And he punched me again in the other, other side of the head. And then... Turning the other cheek. Literally. I, I literally turned the other cheek. I, wow. knew, I knew I was an absolute doofus and was in the wrong completely. And neither of us were handling the situation well yeah. <laughs> with the uh, emotional coping skills of preteen boys, as we all would have. But And then the adults got in and separated us. And, and I can't remember how it all worked out. Hmm. Um, we... Yeah, we were we, we figured it out eventually. We're still reasonable friends. Um, he's not doesn't live close by anymore, so I don't keep in great touch with him. But you know, we're Facebook friends. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. not a total loss. But uh, but yeah, that that definitely stuck 
stuck with me. I, I knew that I had really, really been incredibly insensitive and, uh, and it was a very immediate chance to, hmm. to own that and try and rectify yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back like what you were saying earlier. It's not an easy thing. There is a cost to pay for that. Yep. Um, but it's a cost well worth pain. Yep. Yeah. I remember one, one of my own situations recently, these last few years, where there's, there was a significant, uh, it felt to me a significant cost um, to pay. And I was once again clearly in the wrong. But as I thought about it, I realized I can't be a fan of justice only when it works in my favor. If I really want to believe in, in all these good things of, of justice and integrity and... and um, but when it's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when it's convenient for me. Absolutely. But, but when it's inconvenient, I, I sweep it under the rug. That, yeah. uh, that's, there, there's, no, there's no integrity in that. Mm. There's no depth of real living in that. And so even when I'm in the wrong, I need to be able to move forward with humility and saying I was wrong. And I need to be able to admit that and invite the consequences of that. Um, it strikes me that we, we've been talking already that this doesn't always lead to restored relationships. There are consequences of of our actions, but there is no hope of restored relationships without repentance, without moving forward in these ways. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm pausing on that mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, is that really true what I just said, that uh, this doesn't always lead to restored relationships, but there is... You can only control um, your actions in any interaction, mm-hmm. and you may have left everything that you've got to contribute out on the floor, and if the other person, in, if the other person wants to pick it up and make something with it, or if the other person wants to just stomp on it and... Yeah. and stay in the pain that's that's their choice you can only do so much um yeah the one note i had for this is like do you do you always get a restored relationship and i the only conclusive answer i've been able to come to myself is that um vertically yes if there's Hmm. genuine repentance you mean between us and god exactly if there's genuine repentance for something that has negatively impacted a relationship it'll by default negatively impact your relationship with God and if there's genuine repentance there in my experience there has been um, a renewal of that relationship hmm. between you and God but you you can't guarantee how somebody else is gonna they might be at a different place spiritually with you than you are or emotionally or there's you can only control what you can control mm-hmm. yeah yeah even looking at at our stories of, of David and Saul how there were very real consequences. Um, but yet there's a restoration, at least in David's part, mm-hmm. of his relation with God. And when I apply that to my own, and like I said, from my own experience, there's, there's still some things I'm, I'm ironing out in some of these relationships, and there's still a greater, perhaps there's a greater idea of repentance 
that's needed. And, and there's some other things. And I know in these next few weeks we'll be talking about generational sin patterns and, mm-hmm. and trying to, to break some of those things. And, and then after that we'll be talking about forgiveness. And, and I'm really curious to explore both of those and how they impact this, this topic that we've been talking about with repentance and, and how do we step into restoring relationships. But I think you're right. If we don't take that first step of repentance, I don't think there is a hope of any restoration that can happen. I think that has to be the first step. It's, it's not a, a formula that guarantees if this, then this, then this. Mm-hmm. But I think you are guaranteed that there is no restoration without repentance first. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we're going to wrap up in, in a minute here. Thank you very much, Mike, for, for being part of this conversation. It's been an honor to, <laughs> to chat this through with you. It's been great. Um, in a moment, we will pray our, our blessing. But first, uh, I, I just mentioned as we look ahead, next week I'll be joined with Bruce Ellergott to continue this conversation about breaking free of generational sin, those, those chains of the past that seem to keep haunting not just ourselves, but our grandparents and our kids as well, mm-hmm. and how we can, can uh, take a step towards breaking those chains. Um, Mike, would you pray the blessing for us? Sure. God, thank you for today. Thank you for yesterday. Thank you for all the promises you have for us for tomorrow. And I pray that you would help us to figure out where you want us going. How can we be your light in, in this world? How can we help people around us restore relationships that might need to get patched back together? And uh, I pray that you would just... Uh, be with us as we figure out how to weave through life these days. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for, once again, just for joining us, but also to our listeners for engaging with us as well. Folks, until next time, be well and be good to one another.